You know how many planets are? Seven. Hi, and welcome to the Meet Your Heroes podcast. I'm Audrey. And I'm Elliot. And this is the podcast where every week we take you behind the scenes into the lives of some of history's most notable people. We defy that conventional wisdom to never meet your heroes and bring you up close and personal. Get to know the heroes as heroic as they really were. As heroic. And so much more. And so much more. So what have you been up to recently? Since we had dinner like an hour ago? No, you know, just like in the grand scheme of things. Oh, I have been up to making it day by day. Hmm. You know what I tried doing recently? Skipping days. Bundling. Uh, (laughs) Wrapping them (laughs) together. Uh, Just reading the news obsessively, constantly. Yeah, that's not good for you. Working out great. Mm -mm. Working out great. Do you really mean great? Is that the word you mean? Yeah, I'm not sure if great's the word Mm. or just anxiety and terror-inducing. Sure. Um, Six of done. Six of one, really. Little column A, little column B. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Spe- speaking of the news, I've heard of it. Uh, I don't know if you caught this, but fairly recently, a person named Donald Trump was elected president. Mm. It feels like it was so much longer <laughs> than the three and a half years that it's been. Than the fairly recent. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's fair. Um, but so last week, so he, as part of this get get the economy back on track, who cares who has to die for it kind of tour. Fuck it, uh, we ball. Yeah, fuck it, we ball. Went to <laughs> uh, this Ford plant. Okay. And when they were doing questions with the reporters, mm-hmm. uh, he said, uh, the company founded by a man named Henry Ford. Good bloodlines. Good bloodlines, if you believe in that stuff. You got good blood. Um, like a fucking dog breeder. Yeah, right? So one, <laughs> just weird. Yeah. Um, weird unless you happen to know the context. So I actually didn't, it didn't strike me immediately, but people started like losing their shit about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this week I spent a little bit of time figuring out why and it turns out the story is fucking crazy of bloodlines in general or uh henry ford this week's hero Mm. henry ford yes can't wait yes so uh before we start Mm -hmm. henry ford a legitimate hero by the gallup most admired people of the 20th century poll really i like like that one yeah we keep coming back to that yeah mother Teresa was number one sure but he was on that list Mm. uh what do you think of when you think of Henry Ford. My sick-ass F-150 that I used to drive around. <laughs> Extended cab. Lariat edition. Yeah, it was. Luxurious. Fire Just, engine red. Yeah, and then also... That's a good truck. Also the Ford Focus I drove around for a bit. <laughs> Tokyo Drift. <laughs> Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift because it had aftermarket... Uh, spoiler. Uh-huh. And aftermarket racing stripes. Uh, sticker stripes. They were like stuck on. Somebody stuck on. Stuck on racing stripes, yes. Racing stripes. And then they- Decals. Decals, yeah. And then they glued chrome on the handles. Yeah, chrome, that's right. Aftermarket and chrome handle accents. It was 
definitely on the... Wait, was this person that did all this work you? No, but you know what I didn't do? <laughs> Take any of it off. But this thing used and just left it all on. Yeah, and the windows were definitely on the like lesser legal side of tinted. Yeah, but de- but it was also store, store yeah, it was brand like, tinting. Again, again it oh, was sorry, like a like sticker. F- <laughs> yes, and it wasn't like professionally applied mm-mm, sticker tinting. Mm-mm, it's a this bubbled. Was, yeah, someone was just like, slap that on there. Mm-hmm. And we left it the entire time. Yeah, we sure did. And then gave it to my sister. Yes, Tokyo <laughs> Drift still rolling around yeah. in all its glory. It's a great car. Solid car. Mm-hmm. So, we've, so we have owned multiple Fords. We have, yeah. Uh, and in full disclosure, I also worked for Ford for a while. Oh, that's right. I did tech stuff <laughs> for Ford. I forgot about that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just think about my grandpa when I think about Ford. He's like very like America. Mm-hmm. Got to have that. Yeah, he he would buy in. Uh, he has like US cars. he has like antique Ford tractors that he used to ride around. Like I rode in the parades. Yeah, and he's he's a he's a vet. He's a World War Two vet. Korea, Korea vet. That's right, mm-hmm. Korea vet. Yeah, yeah. World War Two would be too long. Yeah. Um, but in terms of Henry Ford himself, I actually don't know that much about him. Okay, well, uh, you're in luck then, because I'm about to tell you all kinds of shit about Henry Ford. Can we? And uh, yeah, uh, so. Open to this, like, outer Detroit mm-hmm. farmland before Detroit's, like, a place. Uh, we're talking 1863, right? Okay. Pre-Civil War, but this is deep. Middle in... of the Civil War. Oh, sorry. Yeah, middle of the Civil War because it's 61, 65. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Middle of the Civil War. Henry Ford's born. His dad was an Irish immigrant. Okay. Um, and he's born on this farm outside of Detroit. Sure. And basically, he's just, like, a tinkering dude. We got a lot of tinkerers. Yeah. I mean, if you, I feel like if you're like industrial revolution-ish, mm-hmm. tinkering's like the thing. I mean, our kid is a tinkerer. Today, they were like, take apart my electronic dinosaur and let's make a time-lapse video of it. We, we Kids love to tinker. Learn about circuits. That's fun. Yeah. Okay. So this was pre-electricity. T- well, not, well, actually, we're in the like realm of electricity showing up on the scene. Okay. Um, But... Not on the farm, mostly. The progression is like age 12, Henry Ford is like taking apart pocket watches and putting them back together. Okay. Like that's the fun on the farm. That is your animal crossing of the day, (laughs) so to speak. Um, 16, becomes an apprentice machinist. Okay. So like machine parts. Uh, Just like at a factory in town? Yeah, goes into the city of Detroit, gets an apprenticeship. Cool. Uh, 19 on the back on the farm working on uh, the family steam engine. This is like right when mm. you start to have like the very first non-animal powered stuff on farms. So they oh. had a steam engine where they were like using it for random, I don't know, Plow- steam, steam engineering stuff. On, what are you doing? On I honestly was just about to say like, what the fuck do you need a steam <laughs> engine on a farm for? I think it was like multi-purpose. Okay. So I think you could do it for a bunch of stuff, but you just like wheeled it to wherever you were like, do I need to pull something or push something? Just flip this lever and I don't know, wow. steam engineering. Um. Anyway, so he, he messes around with the steam engine, gets to know how that works. Uh, tw- by 22, repairs his first gas engine. Mm. So we got an internal combustion engine. Okay. He's like, oh, this is much less exploding than the steam engine, <laughs> <laughs> which exploded a lot. Steam engines, in, in fairness. Sure, it's a lot of pressure. Yes. Uh, not a great design. 25, marries his wife. Okay. Uh, Clara Bryant basically grew up on a farm like four miles north of his farm. And they were just like, "You're hey, you grew up on this farm too? You live here? Mm. Great. We're married. Stay married whole life. Uh, 27, builds his first 
gasoline combustion engine. He doesn't go to college or anything. He just like goes to school, he apprenticeship. Does take some classes, mostly apprenticeship for the got technical it, got it, got skills. It. Cool. Like a little bit of businessy classes. Um, not a lot of not a whole lot of book learning. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. And by twenty nine, this dude living on the farm has built his first quadricycle. I am going to make an assumption that that is exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> it is exact, and it looks exactly like you would expect a it's quadricycle. It's like steampunk just rolling around oh, on your yeah. big I mean, it's not steampunk because steampunk we found out just like exploded all the time. No, no, no. Yeah, but I mean but like gas, that style. Yeah. You know, like steampunk, like, mm, I'm riding around on this weird bicycle yes, thing. Yes, yes. So, so it had bicycle tires, gigantic bicycle tires. Oh, 20, like rubber. 28-inch rubber rims. Whoa. Yes. Um, okay. It's quite a look. Mm-hmm. Four horsepower. Watch out. Four horsepower on a bicycle? No. Well, so it's four wheels, and it has an engine, right? Oh, it has an engine. Okay. It's a quadricycle. quadricycle makes me think that oh, it's like a sorry. bicycle. sorry. Let's clarify. He's been building engines and all these things. He built his first, like, engine-powered rolling machine okay. called a quadricycle, okay. but it has bicycle tires on it. Wow. That is a super lame four-wheeler. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was not off-roading no. very effectively. Okay. Uh, four horsepower, though. Sure. So watch out, you four horses. Mm-hmm. Replaced. Don't even need them anymore. No. Um, went up to 20 miles an hour. But those horses had to unionize, <laughs> keep their jobs. Yeah. 20 what? miles an hour? 20 miles an hour. 10 okay. to 20. Wow. I mean, if you're just, like, letting it loose, full throttle, <laughs> watch out for this fucking quadricycle coming at you. Basically, just over time, figuring out, like, oh, the technology of the day, farm boy figures out, builds a quadricycle, and now... Shit gets real. Does he invent the quadricycle or he just like knows about them and builds one? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Basically, okay. people have been building stuff like this for a while, but okay, he's like, okay. you know I didn't what? know if he just like showed up in town and it was like, hey, check this out. It's like a hobby project, okay. basically. He, he saw one. He saw a, the first, when he was like 12, I think he saw his very first non-horse-powered rolling machine that was carrying somebody. Cool. He's like, fucking love it. <laughs> first of all, promoted. First of all. Second of all, yes, I'm going to do that. Yes. I'm going to build those. Got it. So at this point, our our boy's like, okay, I can make these things. I'm done with farm life. I'm moving to the city. Mm. Takes his wife, goes to Detroit, uh, actually gets a job in the meantime uh, with the Edison Illuminating Company, mm. which is like, you know, Edison bringing light to all these cities so they can sell light bulbs and whatnot. Sure. And electricity, I guess. He's like the rising star. He's like the wonderkind. Like five years he's there, rises up all the way to the chief engineer. Basically, of this company. Yes, of Edison mm. company. Makes enough money to like fund his weird rolling machine habit. Oh. Meets Thomas Edison once. And Thomas Edison's like, oh, you're an inventor. That's cool as shit. Keep doing that. Go for it. And so he's <laughs> like, yeah, okay. Uh, so he, he keeps doing it. Uh, and by the time... He is 36. This is like 1899. He basically quits. He's like, I'm going to go do this thing for real. I'm going to make it happen. So he starts this Detroit automobile company um, and is like, I'm going to make the quadricycle for America. He's a real finicky about it. So he gets some investors, but like he's like trying to get all the details right okay. and just like refuses to put out anything in production until he feels like it's perfect. Mm. Uh, so basically, in today's money, uh, loses like several million dollars. Sure. Uh, makes about twenty cars, and then they're just like, uh, "We're out of cash. We're we're going bankrupt." Mm. Uh, cars is that, or just like quadricycles? Sorry, slash 
quadricycle slash they actually start to look kind of like something that you might call a car at okay. this point okay they're calling them automobiles i just know nothing about this so i'm trying to yes i'm trying to track so at this point imagine everything is like all metal two seats in the front sometimes some seats in the back no roof no windshield i can picture this right the hand sure. cranks on the front the engine's underneath your seats as opposed to like out in front of you at this point okay um but yeah basically it goes and like gets all finicky with it is like a still tinkering mode and just loses everybody's money and they're super pissed. Uh, so shuts it down and is like, well, I quit my job at the Edison company. And so he's like, what am I going to do now? He decides he wants to do uh, race cars is what he's <laughs> is like. That's my plan. Uh, and, and actually does a really great race car because it turns out like if you're going to be like very finicky about detail stuff, race car is like you're like trying to figure out, you know, how do you get a little bit faster or whatever. Sure. So originally his other thing was like four horsepower. 38 years old, he builds a 26-horsepower car for racing. He's putting a lot of horses out of business. Just horse massacre at this point. Wow. Yeah, and so all the investors that before he just lost their money, they were like, you can do this? You can do good (laughs) stuff? Why are you just dicking around with this tinkering? Okay, he's like, okay, yes, give me some more money. I'll go and I'll see. I can do it. It inspires a lot of confidence. Goes and gets their money again. And immediately starts just tinkering with stuff again and pissing <laughs> off his investor. Just like, just like cannot leave well enough alone. And people are like, no, stop. Right. Um, Sell something, please. Yes. And, and he refused. He basically is like, no, not going to do it. He's like, this is all worthless. I'm out of here. Peace. Yeah. And so he just, so he leaves with like $900 basically. And then. In today's money. A million dollars. No. Well, okay. So. Just for clarity, because there's a lot of money we're going to talk about. Oh, okay. I'm just going to mention all the money in today's dollars. Got it. That's an important clarification. Until you press me on this. He basically... Great. Well, no, so he probably loses a couple thousand dollars. 900 and... Uh, yes. But from here on out, we'll just talk about today's money. Cool. So, he goes and he's like, okay, he leaves. And then they, as, as the investors are selling everything, they bring in this guy to help him like liquidate all the assets. And the guy's like wait, why are you selling all this stuff? And they're like, oh, Henry Ford was trying to do a car and just couldn't make it work. And the guy's like, this stuff is good. No, don't sell this. Just make a company out of it. And they're like, really? He's like, yeah. And so they're like, what are we going to call it? And they're like, well, uh, the founder of Detroit's name was Antoine de la Moth Cadillac. So let's just stick with Cadillac. Mm. And sure enough, Ford couldn't make it work, but there's Cadillac. Cadillac oh. gets founded wow. on all this stuff that he was like, I can't make this work. It could work easily. Okay, so Cadillac's like the first car company. No, th- there was actually other ones. Oldsmobile, I think, was before this mm. as well. This is right around the time when people are like trying to get to make cars commercially viable. Okay. So, so he when is we not talk the about, first. Okay, see, that's where my confusion is because mm. most people think of Henry Ford as like the inventor of the automobile, but he's just like the inventor of the commercially available car for people like yeah. he just like mass produced them whereas before that you had to have them like specially built or i, I don't yeah, know so, how that works so basically this cadillac and the oldsmobile mm-hmm. all this stuff that he sees going people are trying to make cars that people will buy and can be successful companies and it's not working for a lot of it got it it's hard to do sure and have they tried the sales pitch Instead of 26 horses, you could own just one of these. Yes. So so actually, this is the first sales pitch. They no literally... Way. So what happens when, when Ford leaves, he's like, fuck all y'all. You stole my Henry Ford company. Mm. They've renamed it to the Cadillac thing. Uh, but he's like, I'm going to start the Ford Motor Company, mm. which is legally different. Sure. 
And and we we all know how patents worked back then. You just whatever hundred bucks and Willy get nilly. whatever you want. Exactly. So he's he's like, I'm gonna make this, and he makes his first call car in the, with this new Ford Motor Company that he starts called the Model A. And his pitch, like in the magazines, is literally like, "This is cheaper than horses." Like there's a table, <laughs> and it's like you have to feed horses this much. Right. You you know they cost this much. You have to paint the car and get tires. It's cheaper by this instead sure. of a horse. Right. But it was hard to it was hard to put together like the thing that wasn't clear. So it, this is 1903 when he starts Ford Motor Company. This is like okay. the third try. Okay. The other two failed. So he's 40. Yes, and works for five years trying to get a car that is like profitable and people will sell. So it literally goes through Model A, Model B, Model C, Model D, F actually, then <laughs> K, then of course. T. N, oh. then R, and then S, <laughs> just random fucking order, just picks letters out of who knows where. Really? Yeah. But, wow. But so like in five years does eight different car models trying to figure this out. Just like it's a, it's a shit show. None of these have windshields and these have roofs basically for the most part, like trying to move stuff around. Five years into this comes up with the Model T. Oh. And so the reason that everybody thinks of him is like the car person, mm-hmm. even though cars around before this mm-hmm. is because the Model T is the first car that's actually made so that a bunch of people could buy it and would want it. So it is it is basically billed as being the very first like reliable, easy to maintain car mm. that's affordable for people. Sure. Much easier to maintain than twenty six horses. As God, someone who has so owned a few better. cars. So much better. And has never owned a single horse. All I can imagine is how much more difficult it would be to own 26 horses. Horses feel real shifty sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't get them all, like, saddled up together. No. Yoked. What's, I don't That's know. That's so many saddles, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, much easier to just have one car. The, I mean, the real secret innovation, the technological breakthrough here, is that it's something you would take for granted. They, he makes this thing with interchangeable parts. Mm. So all that means is like before you're taking a sheet of metal and you're like bending it in the shape of a car. Right. And you're like taking this thing, you're trying to make it screwed on and like a special skilled person is like trying to like file down the bolts down to the right size and stuff. Yep. And they literally just, this is the first time where people make a bolt and they're like, oh, this is a half inch bolt. This is a standard bolt. They're all going to be half inch. Yeah. Right. What do you know? Got it. Like before yeah, that, yeah, like yeah. the stuff didn't exist where like somebody you're was just like- one- yeah, they're, time. yeah, they're making one bolt at a time. Now, if you got a machine that can make bolts the same size, you're like, oh, you can make cars at all the stuff that works together. Sure. So this is like the everyman's car. It, it costs, in today's money, like 24 grand. Yikes. So it's like Corolla, Toyota Corolla type money. Is that how much a Corolla costs these days? I think so. I haven't shopped for Toyota Corolla recently. Toyota, reach out to the sponsorship opportunities, correct us on this pricing. Sure. We'd uh, be happy to- uh, Gladly. To share the actual- price msrp of your 2021 corolla yes exactly um okay so it's it's a it's a solid vehicle yeah it is like the everyman's car now here's the crazy shit it starts off at 24 grand in today's money it's like 800 dollars then okay uh but over the next five years engineers that he's like this this works it sells a ton it sells like fifteen thousand of them the first couple days um, people come up with the idea of using an assembly line. He didn't invent this. His sure. engineers brought it to him. They're like, sure. other companies have tried this. We should do it. So they like perfect the assembly line. Mm-hmm. So within like five years, they get this price down to like $11,000 in 
in today's money, and then down to like three thousand dollars in today's money. Wow! So can you imagine like buying a car for three grand that like actually just yeah it, like a new car, right? Oh, there were I was no used say, cars. I, had, I basically paid three grand okay, for a car yes. before. But. Tokyo Drift ish, <laughs> and that yeah, and that neighborhood. Yeah, and just want to clarify, it's called Tokyo Drift from like Fast and the Furious. It's a joke all the way down, not just like it's a oh, random. Oh yes, because we one hundred percent never ever <laughs> ever drifted this car, nor would it be possible to drift this car. No. Yes. Uh, okay, so three thousand bucks. That's pretty cheap. I yeah. would imagine. I don't know much about the price of horses, but I would imagine <laughs> that's less than twenty six horses. Yeah, you, it's way cheaper. It was it was like competing with horses before. Now it's like wow. way cheaper than horses. Wow. Um, yeah, and if you think about it, like. There is no used car market, right? Like nobody <laughs> has any used cars to sell. It's like you, so yeah. within five years, we're talking about like you know, nineteen oh eight. You can get a really cheap car that's like pretty reliable. Fucking sells like gangbusters. I bet. Just around Detroit, they're shipping them all over the. They're oh. just putting them on trains and by, sending them out. By nineteen fifteen, he sold a million of these things all over the country. Wow. Sets up like. Little offices and dealerships all over the place. Half of all the cars in America are Model Ts. Wow. And it's still just the one model. Well, so they went through all these other letters, but like for a while, like Model T is all they're doing. Cool. Does a couple things that are like generally positive. Like at this point, starts paying workers well. Oh. Like the 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 car people, the car workers are the skilled workers of the day. Mm -hmm. Right? So if you can imagine whatever skilled workers look like today. Right? Doctors... I don't know, people do, like, computer stuff, whatever. All like workers your... were skilled. Sure. You're um, just saying, like, trained. Highest end of the market trained workers here. Okay. Basically, before, in today's money, they were paying them, like, roughly $8 an hour. Mm. And Ford is like, the turnover's killing me. I'm going to pay 16 bucks an hour in 2020 money. And people are like, what? Right. And he just, like... Like all of the best people come to work for him because sixteen dollars an hour is crazy money in the Gilded Age. Actually, livable wage. Yeah, back right. Then. <laughs> like, like before he was forced to. Right, there was no law. Just right, like, right, right. But he's like, this is good for business, and it was. Oh, like, it's still good for business. It's still Pay good for your business. people well. Yeah. Yes. So figured this out. All the people came to work from low turnover. Profits went up even more. We're talking about like 1915, 16. The Model T has been the first successful like mass market car. So he is. Treating the workers well, uh, paying them good wages. Also, the work week. Heard of it? Pioneer on the work week. Actually, I want to pause. Quick, quick digression here. Hit me with it. You said you've heard of the work week. Been there. Name is top five albums. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? No, okay, so um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Greatest right. hits. Starts with Saturday. Oh. First of all. <laughs> uh, no. Okay, so we're gonna take a quick like digression here. Heard of those also? Yes. Okay, so. Speaking of weeks, mm-hmm. years, Earth travels around the sun, 365 days, called it a year. Familiar. Month. Moon is about 28 days between full moon to full moon. We called it a month. Mm-hmm. Week. No fucking basis in reality. <laughs> there's literally, right, there's no... We're there's like, we need to divide this up even further. Month feels too long. What are we going to call it, mm-hmm. right? Months are pretend. Sorry, weeks are pretend. Oh, okay. So... Um, right, because there, there's nothing that like specifically demarcates those seven days. Yeah, totally. Made there's up. like no, there's no like relative unit that's like astrological or uh, astronomical. Yeah, we could just have said we have one year that's made up of uh, twelve weeks, twelve and, months. No, twelve weeks, and each week oh. is is twenty eight days long or whatever. Right? Like sure, sure, sure. However we want it. Anyway, 
I just found out where weeks come from. Wow. Yeah. I, it, tell me. Okay. 4,000 4, years ago, right? The ancient Babylonians were like, you know how many planets are? Seven. And you know- <laughs> I, say, I don't know how many they knew back then. <laughs> and then you, they were like, you know what? That's a great number. We're going to have that many days in a week. And people are like, what's a week? And they're like, glad you asked. We just made it up. And so- <laughs> like, You're like, well, four of these fit into one month. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, it seems like it works out. And like, that doesn't, the math on that doesn't really check out if I do it and then I go to a year and they're like- don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. One of these will have 28. Who knows? Maybe <laughs> maybe all the time. Who knows? Um, so, okay, so they just make up this thing called a week. And then, like, that's BCE 4000 or so, right? 600 BCE, right? So, like, mm-hmm. for, like, a thousand years, they just pick this number. Nobody else knows about this. Nobody else has any conception of a week. There's this Jewish exile in Babylonia where basically they beat... Uh, the Jewish people in a big battle. The Jews are there. The Jews hear about this thing. They're like, hold the week. They're like, oh, that's good. We're going to write that into some scriptures. And so like right. what becomes the Torah, like it gets written into Exodus, like God did stuff for six days <laughs> and then on the seventh day rested. And then everybody's like, yeah, that sounds right. And so then we just go with it. Literally ancient Egyptians got it, got it from Babylonians, Romans, ancient Greece. They're just like, I mean, so, it had to start somewhere. Yeah. They're like seven days. Yeah. Why not? Let's just, yeah, go sure. with that. And so the reason... Apparently, the reason that we only work, so there was always the day of rest, right? But okay. we have Saturday and Sunday now. Because of Jesus. No, because of drunk British people. Oh, okay. Okay, so they they were, Sunday was always because of Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. But apparently in like the 1800s, after, like as this industrial revolution was starting back up out of the dark ages, right? Mm-hmm. Like the British were just getting so drunk on Sunday <laughs> that they couldn't show up to work. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because they were like on this one day. Fuck it, we ball. Fuck it, we ball. We're just going hard. And so as a result, when people wouldn't show up to work the next day, they were like, what are you doing? They're like, oh, it's the Feast of St. Monday. And they're like, what? Which is just like being like, I'm fucking hungover. I'm coming in today. (laughs) And it was such a big problem that they were like, okay, look, look, look. We'll give you half a day on Saturday. Mm. Get drunk then, but you have to come into work on Monday. Right. And so that's how it started like half days on Saturday. Okay. Um, But it wasn't until 1908... That the very first time that actually Saturday became a day off, like for real, like part of the weekend. Sure. In America. So unions. It, no, it wasn't unions, it turns what? out. What? So, not to start it, unions are the ones who brought the weekend. And like, and, and, the, and like formalized it. And formalized a, it sure. into legislation in the United States. Right. Like. Full time is X number of hours. 40 hours a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But up until, up until like 1908, it was always, always, always six days a week you had to work. Mm. And then. There was this one little tiny factory up in, yeah, some American sawmill, I think, in Massachusetts. Basically, it was it was a mix of Christian and Jewish workers. Okay. And so the Jewish workers were like, we would like Saturday off, please. Right. And they were like, okay, sure, come in on Sunday to make up for it. And the Christian town was like, fuck no, you can't have people working on Sunday. That's terrible. Mm. And they started this big fight, and it was like, you know what? We're not even going to fight about this. Just, everybody gets both days off. It's great. And they were like, okay, gr- wonderful. All this to say... In 1926, years and years and years and years before this becomes like something that the unions like bring to everybody. Sure. Henry Ford sees this and he's like, I've got a skilled workforce. I've got all these people that um, are making good wages. You know what? I'm getting both days off. It goes from 48-hour work week to 40-hour work week and doesn't cut people's pay. Let's keep the pay from the 48-hour work week and just work shorter. Yes. Huge success. Makes them a ton of money because people take more recreation. They're more productive on the time that they do have. Like, Yeah. My staff currently, we only work four days a week. Yeah. See? It's 
there the benefits the research into it shows that it's just like so much more beneficial for your company in the short and long term to let people live their fucking lives. Yes. Okay. So this is this is the key part, right? Yes. Because basically, the revolution or the the innovation from six days to five days, yeah, was like a turn of the century thing last century. Well, also, like if you think about a lot of the jobs that happened before industrialization, they were jobs that you needed to like survive. If you just take two days off on a farm, your you're animals fucked. starve. Yes. Right? And if you're like a cotton miller, or miller, uh, like if you're milling... Grain. Grain. That's what I was looking for. Cotton. <laughs> Weaving cotton. Weaving cotton. No, if you're, if you're doing those sort of things, a lot of work up until the Industrial Revolution was honestly just about surviving. Yeah. Like, oh, you need to sew clothing because otherwise you're fucking naked. You want to take two days off now? No. Fuck you. Take the winter off when nothing's growing. You're working seven <laughs> days a week right now, right? Right. Yeah. Yes. But so when you get to machines, industrial revolution, they're yeah. negotiating this new social contract. Mm-hmm. 1908, it becomes five days for the first time in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And then Ford is one of the early adopters of this. He's like, I got good people. Great. Give them five days. They do it. And then, yeah, like 10, 15 years later, the 1938, the Fair Labor Standards Act actually makes wow. this part of like something that the unions fight for for all workers in the United States. Sure. But anyway, he's ahead of the curve. Also, like... 1914, he wrote a book about how smoking is going to kill you, and it's a terrible thing. So he was, like, on his shit. Meanwhile, Ford's like, have you tried cocaine? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, let me tell you, cocaine's amazing. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, so at this point, Henry Ford is this breakthrough, gets okay. a cheap car for 25 grand. Doing all right. Get down to, like, Don't hate three grand in today's money. Pays his workers well, pretty high wage. Paid the men the improved wage first. Didn't pay the women. He hired women in his factories, didn't pay them the same wage for a couple years. Eventually got around a few years later to paying them the same wage as the men, which is still decent. Okay. Slow, but he got there. Went to a 40-hour work week before it was, like, big. All these things he did not because he was kind and generous, but because it made him a ton of money. Super profitable for his company. Sure. To treat his people well. Yes. And I'm sure that there were, like, fewer accidents. Uh, Like, the workmanship was better. If you give people time to rest, they're not sloppy yes it yes all of these reasons ended up being he was one of the wealthiest americans of all time like if you look on the list of wealthiest americans of all time he is right between bill gates and warren buffett wow like he is that rich for breaking through and figuring out how to mass produce vehicles it seems fitting yeah yeah that's congrats that's the prize Mm -hmm. uh so bill gates took his money decided to Try to end global malaria. Sure, and Gates Foundation. Poverty. Yep, Gates Foundation. Warren Buffett giving pledge, pledge to give away ninety percent of his wealth. What do you think, Mister Henry Ford, reaching the pinnacle of the success, decided to do? When is he reaching the pinnacle of success? Well, so I like to have a little historical context to imagine sure. where he's putting his. So money. he's done this pay bump and sold his first million Model Ts. Okay. Around. 1915, 16, mm. 17. Okay. Um, We're not quite to World War One yet. That's World War One, 15 to 19. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. So, you're um, right. Right after World War One. Okay. Is like pinnacle, or is like this first big bump where he sure. becomes this this icon. Thought they hit up the Depression. Not there yet, though. We're still getting right. into the 20s. We're on 20s. He's going to devote his money to the cause that he thinks is most important. Actually, two causes. No idea. What could it be? The first one is hating jazz. Oh, 
What? And the second is hating Jews. Oh, no. 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 Yeah. It's... What does he have against either of those? <laughs> well, One is funny like... you should ask. <sighs> the main reason he hates jazz is because he is somehow <laughs> under the impression that jazz was started by Jews. Okay. <laughs> so, that's interesting. It's also totally incorrect. Sure. Uh, not at all correct at all. Yeah. Jazz from New Orleans, mm. up and down the Mississippi River, Chicago, Kansas sure. City. Yeah. It is this combination, right, of like African-influenced music and roots music. Uh, but somehow Henry Ford came to believe, and I I have still not yet seen a coherent explanation of this by any historian. Okay. Came to believe that it was part of a nefarious plot to corrupt the masses in America and take over the world. By jazz? The, by has the he, Jews. Has you he heard jazz? <laughs> yes. Jazz is great. Oh, I was going to say, I could totally understand if he hated it for so many other reasons. Okay, well, first but... of all, that's rude. Uh, yes, he called it Yiddish moron music. I, by the way, I don't know if anybody out here has ever heard klezmer music, which is like <laughs> truly the most Jewish of the musics. Sure. Yeah. It sounds it sounds almost nothing like jazz. No. Um, no. I guess it has, they both have clarinets sometimes, right? I'm not the one you should be asking about that. I okay. have no idea. Henry Ford is just deeply confused on this, but it, it motivates a, an incredible, like, disproportionate amount of his time. It's not clear. I think he just hated it, and he already hated Jews, honestly. Sure. And this deep anti-Semitism just like, you know what else I hate? Jazz. You know what? I'll bet they fucking did it. You know what's hysterical also, though? When I think about like videos like Buster Keaton movies where they have like old timey cars and it's like it's just like the jazziest of like, yes random music because he's fighting jazz in the 20s the yeah. roaring 20s yeah. <laughs> it's like showing his car you know cranked up and it's jazz music yes um he so okay so th- but this is his crusade then okay okay it's, it's, it's his first one at least we all die on some hill this was his. Just speaking of which, right? So his racism and bigotry here is anti-Semitism. He hired black workers and women in his factories okay. well before a lot of other people did. He deeply believed that black... So he, he was deeply racist mm. and anti-black. He believed, though, that black people were not necessarily inherently evil. Got um, it. He just believed that they were simple-minded and being controlled by the Jews, right? Sure, and willing to exploit their labor. Yes. So, by the way, this exact... Type, this exact thinking finds its way into Republican, current contemporary Republican U.S. politics today. There, yeah. There's an explicit, like, they call it the uh, Democratic plantation argument, right? Which is that, like, basically you have this anti-Semitic view that people who are Jewish run the world and then they just keep black people in the Democratic Party because they are being controlled and they're not smart enough to see that they're being controlled. Like, this, this exact political through line still happens to this day. And Henry Ford was, like, on the forefront of pushing this bigotry to the masses. Yes. So, yeah, he decides to use his incredible wealth to crusade against both these things. So if you were going to wage a war against jazz, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of ways you might go about it. I, honest to God, cannot think of a single way to go about it. (laughs) 
Like, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> where do you start in your war on jazz? I'll tell you where you start. If, you, if you're like, okay, they have infiltrated our country. What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, there was a... <laughs> this is so fucking crazy. There's a man named Cecil Sharp who studied old British folk music, came to America for a while. Okay. And was like, he stumbled into Southern Appalachia. That's a place that's that is not the sort of place you stumble into. <laughs> and he saw people like playing banjos mm-hmm. and all these things. And it, his his thought process, which was totally not backed up by facts at all, but just his assumptions that he made, he was like, Hey, I've seen British folk music and these people here playing these banjos, they have some similarities in the way that they're dancing to kind of some British old folk dance. So I'll bet what happened is they came over on the original like Mayflower type settlers. They went to Appalachia, got super isolated and have just been here. And so while the rest of America had immigration, the purest Anglo-Saxon blood, oh the God. purest example of the white race no. is people in Appalachia square dancing. No. Mm-mm. And Henry I Ford say that <laughs> as someone whose immediate family <laughs> lives in Appalachia and square dances. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yes. What the fuck? So what this means is that he comes to the totally incorrect conclusion that these people are of like direct Anglo-Saxon descent is not true at all. But he's true in the sense that like square dancing is one of the whitest things you can do. <laughs> yes. I agree. There's a lot of people who are not white in Appalachia as well, right? There's a lot of like stories that aren't accounted totally. for here. But he's but he's like, this is the remedy for this racial situation. Henry Ford sees this and is like, yes, the whitest thing you can do is square dance. This will defeat jazz. No. <laughs> so, so let me get this straight. In the 1920s, Henry Ford wrote the original screenplay for Trolls 2 World Tour movie. <laughs> For the uninitiated, Trolls 2 is a story about <laughs> types of music trying to battle each other battle each <laughs> and take over the world. And yes, Henry Ford was like, we have to fight the Jewish jazz. Not a thing. And, and the and way we're going to do it banjo, it's through, through deep Anglo-Saxon roots of square dancing. Also not a thing. This is totally delusional. But Henry Ford writes a book. And oh. I'm going to read you the entire book title. You ready? This is the book title. You ready? Yeah. Good morning, no, colon. No, stop. Uh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> if you... <laughs> oh, my God. If you had said, I will give you $1 million. <laughs> if you... <laughs> if you can name... If you can randomly put together two words that would start Henry Ford's anti-jazz book title. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Good morning. <laughs> okay, so good morning is the title. Now are you ready for the subtitle here? No. no. <laughs> yes. Good morning, colon. After a sleep of 25 years, comma, old-fashioned dancing is being revived by Mr. and Mrs. Henry Ford. Oh. This book, I mean, this is his push 
to revive square dancing as an antidote to jazz. He invites 200 square dancing teachers to Detroit to come and have workshops and then sends them out to all the four dealerships across the country to have square dancing parties across America where, where like entire towns show up. And he's like, this will defeat jazz. Is this why this bullshit was in my PE class in seventh grade? Is this why I had to learn square dancing? Yes. No. Square dancing. This, the craziest Shut shit about this plan is it fucking works. No, it, it doesn't. doesn't stop jazz. It doesn't work no, like that. It clearly does not stop jazz. But it, it starts a revival of square dancing and traditional music that is picked up by other white supremacists down the line and eventually makes square dancing the official state dance in 30 U.S. states. I didn't know states had official dances. They do now because oh, of Henry Ford. God. <laughs> 30 states picked up square dancing as official dance and taught it in PE. If you ever had PE as square dancing in your school, it it's was because, because of, of Henry this Ford. white supremacist bullshit. And guess yeah. what? You know what you can do to rebel? Go listen to some th- Thelonious Monk right. tonight and just eat that shit up and be like, wow. fuck you, bigot. Mm. Wow. So... um. Real quick, the mm-hmm. other 20 states, what are their official dances? <laughs> People, it turns out that wasn't actually a thing. They don't really have one, oh, mostly. Okay. It's just like propaganda. Yeah. Nobody had a prior official dance. Nobody was like, you know, oh, we're doing- This is going to replace we're doing the, the waltz. waltz. Yeah. yeah. And then like, oh, the Charleston's coming aboard. Oh, no. Fought wow. back by the Dosey do Yeah. This was just a construction wow. of insecure people. Yikes. Okay. Yeah. So there's jazz. Yes. This was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, his fight against Jews is a lot less fun. Oh, no. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously, that's fine. But what? Jesus. Okay. So, All right. Hates, hates jazz. Let's jazz, do this. not defeated. Okay. Not defeated. So, waste his money, but get some folks doing the electric slide. Bring, brings back the electric slide for a while. Okay. So, Mr. Henry Ford decides that for the second passion in his life, which was being an anti-Semite. He needs an outlet. This is before Twitter. Oh, is it? Yes. Okay, yes. We're talking... Okay, uh, so before Twitter, he mm. needs an outlet to be a very loud anti-Semite. Yes. So this newly minted millionaire goes and has one of his people buy up this like little, almost defunct local newspaper in the Detroit area. Okay. It's called the Dearborn Independent. Buys up this paper... And for the next eight years, becomes a very vocal, just totally batshit insane, right-wing extremist. He is, he is like the Tucker Carlson of his day. He is just like, I made some cars. Now let me tell you what I think about politics. <laughs> sure. Uh, like Tucker Carlson, just a frozen... Do you know he inherited all this frozen food money? Yeah, it's like chicken. Swanson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Swanson, right? He's basically like... Tucker Carlson just like inherited all this fucking frozen food money. He's like, let me tell you what I think about politics. I'm a racist. <laughs> this, is, this is basically the... <laughs> the, the origin of, of that model. Yes, this is the beginning mm-hmm. of that model, right? The crazy shit is... He's like, okay, so this is defunct paper. Nobody's going to read this. How do I get this message out there? He basically says every Ford franchise, every dealership has to carry this paper. They have to have it, like, in the local offices and things. And then they have to distribute it to all of their customers, like, prior and, like, prospective. Wow. This thing ends up getting distributed to about roughly seven hundred to 900,000 people. Combined or a year? Just Every year. Holy shit. Yeah. So imagine what it takes to get 
a newspaper. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's what take. It takes a lot of money to get a newspaper out to about a million people, right? Just to own the libs. Yes, just. <laughs> oh, well, in fairness, it was to own the Jews. Oh. That was his goal. Okay. Yes. As you might guess from somebody whose main passion before this was the destruction of Jewish jazz. Sure. There's not a lot of, like, solid arguments here to be had. One example, uh, this is a direct quote. If fans wish to know the trouble with American baseball, they have it in three words. Too much Jew. Wow. Well, that says something for journalistic integrity. (laughs) Yes. It is pretty terrible and, like, increasingly asinine. Sure, because see, I thought the trouble with American baseball was how fucking boring it is. It's so slow. slow. It is so slow. Yeah. It's like, hey, would you like to go watch 20-minute sports game? And you're like, yes. Like, awesome. Then just sit here for six hours and we'll spread it out <laughs> over the whole time. Enjoy some hot dogs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... This thing is super bigoted. He he has people like editors and everybody who write write these super anti-Semitic things. He writes some. Some he just dictates. Basically, signs his name every week to this editorial. That's okay. like, it is it is coming from him directly. Okay. Some of the worst writings are compiled into this multi-part series called "The International Jew, mm. the World's Foremost Problem." Oh. Yes. Shit. And so after World War One, now. But Great. before World War II has started, okay, there's some Germans who see this and are like... I was going like, to say, is he sending this to fucking Germany? It makes it there. No. Especially in this compiled form. So wow. Heinrich Himmler, so who is considered the architect of the Holocaust yes. and the architect of the final solution, yes, said, quote, Ford is one of our most valuable, important, and witty fighters. No. Hitler reads The International Jew this compilation of the writings from this little newspaper. Mm-hmm. And Henry Ford becomes the only American to get a shout-out, like in a thumbs-up kind of way, in Mein Kampf. Ah. Literally says, uh, the quote is, only a single great man, Henry Ford, who, to the Jews' fury, still maintains full independence from the controlling masters. So if you're getting shout-outs from Hitler in Mein Kampf... There's some issues. Hitler also says, referring to Ford, this is before World War II starts, but mm-hmm. reading this, what he's writing, and sending out to everybody who ever bought a Ford at a dealership, Hitler says, I will do my best to put his theories, to put Ford's theories into practice in Germany. So Hitler Hitler creates Volkswagen, which yes. Volks meaning like folks, like the wagon for folks. Just oh, okay. everyday person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Volkswagen is just modeled explicitly off of Ford and the Model T. Like, okay. Let's make an everyday person's car. That's where the whole company comes from. Hitler, in his office, keeps a portrait of Henry Ford next to his desk. He's like, this is who we want to be, and then proceeds with the Holocaust. Wow. So that bloodlines uh, line hits a bit different when you know that. Yes, yes. So 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 when Trump is is sitting in the Ford factory being like Henry Ford had had good bloodlines had good bloodlines got good blood in this company it means something very different when that that person was explicitly the model for what Hitler wanted to accomplish basically yeah just like the inspiration for eugenics yeah. in Germany this ends up not being so popular in America at the time 
Oh, so you know what I'm saying? So right before the war, there's like this big retraction that's published and like this big apology letter. and By Ford? By Ford. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I goofed? Yeah, America's eat it up. Americans eat it up. They're like, oh, he he like backtracked all this stuff. He said this. He signs this big apology. Like, he, was it, were his like car sales suffering? They were they were going in the tube. Yeah. So he gets sued for libel by a bunch by by the uh, Anti Defamation League. Yeah. Right. Good. Because he's saying like Jews are doing all these things, and we're like, hi, we're Jewish, and we're not. Um, <laughs> so he he's getting sued. He he writes this public apology, and people believe it. They're like, you know what? If you're gonna own up to yourself, blah blah. blah Mm-hmm. We're going to give you a second chance. Thanks for owning all this stuff. He did not write the apology. Dealers at this point were like desperately like trying to buy up these papers and burn them before they got to customers, right? Sure. But finally, he does this apology. They're like, oh, thank goodness. Ford didn't write it. He didn't even sign it. His signature was forged on it. It was one of his like other people. He's like, oh, no. No, absolutely. Like Later on, he was like, not me. In fact, after this apology comes out and right before World War II starts... On his 75th birthday, Henry Ford is given the Grand Cross of the German Eagle, which is the highest medal that Nazi Germany can give on a foreigner. And he accepts this award. I was just saying he accepts it? He accepts this award. Flies to Germany and is like, give me that. After this entire bullshit with this like fake apology and this forge, like, he did not apologize. Yes. They made it look like he apologized so they stopped tanking his company. Right. Because at this point, basically, his company was losing, a, the, in today's money, $100 million. Oh, Like, shit. when World War II finally started and they yeah. and they stopped all the civilian car production, yes. the gov- U.S. government almost took it over because they were like, if we don't take this over, you're not going to be available to, like, make trucks and stuff we need for the war. Right. Like, you're just tanking, just hemorrhaging money at this point, and government doesn't have to take it over in the United States. Wouldn't there be incentive for him to be like, I don't want you to have... Like, I don't want to supply vehicles to the army that's going to go fight Nazis. Yeah, I mean, this is the question, right? Like, all of a sudden, the United States now is fighting this country that clearly he has so much in common with. At this point, he has he has a son who he tries to, like, hand the company over to for a while who dies. People are just like, you are not up to this. He's kind of forced to hand it over to his grandson eventually at this point. Okay. By the way, the Ford Foundation, like mm-hmm. the great philanthropic arm, eventually is like... One of the biggest foundations in the earth. His grandson is responsible mostly for that. Like it's Got not it. him. His grandson starts that. So so he's sure. just a dick bag. Um, he's losing about hundred million dollars. After the war, one of the leaders of the Hitler Youth in the Nuremberg trials, where they're putting the Nazi war criminals on trial for what happened in the war, mm-hmm. said, "End quote. The decisive anti-Semitic book I was reading, and the book that influenced my comrades, was that book by Henry Ford, the International Jew. Wow. I read it." and became anti-Semitic. The book made a great influence on myself and my friends because we saw in Henry Ford the representation of success and also the representative of a progressive social policy. All of his good things that he did were used as evidence that like, oh, enlightened people can also be anti-Semitic bigots and it's okay. Right after the war's over, 1947, he basically has a bunch of strokes and dies sure there's this folktale people close to him put out that like he sees the actual footage from the holocaust concentration camps and that's what kills him i don't buy it frankly it's unsubstantiated it's just people close to him and it, and it gives him this like air of sympathy like he saw what yeah. he did so i was just about to ask all right so he's dead who's his cleanup crew yeah his cleanup crew is these people close to him right like they already tried to put out these spins but Ugh. i don't buy this shit his grandson seemed like an okay dude started the foundation uh, 2014 was the first time an American person uh, who's Jewish actually ran the Ford Motor Company as CEO. Mm. So 
Sorry about your luck, Henry Ford. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but needless to say... And we still have jazz, so suck on that. We still have jazz. And for all your other bullshit, I would say you are almost certainly not my hero. No way. Wow, that is... That's a ride. That's a, that's a ride. Yeah, you're like, hell yeah, this man, livable wage. Oh. Mm, yeah. Turns out, like, so he paid kind of a livable wage for a while, but also, like, ended up having a private internal security force on inside of Ford that killed four people when they demonstrated for higher wages later on. Like, he Jesus. fought... He fought... He, that after, like, in the post-Nazi years, or, like, being an active Nazi right before the World War II thing, he fought labor unions so much he almost shut down Ford Motor Company rather than sign a collective bargaining yeah. contract. I was going to say, so it sounds he's, like... He's not a fan of organized labor at all. He was like, I'm going to treat you okay as long as like it's good for my bottom line, but yeah. as soon as workers actually started to bargain for real power, yeah. he literally like his internal security forces like killed four workers, like shot at a peaceful crowd Holy during what? a protest. Yeah, just like terrible, terrible actual labor practices so once he, it got past the part of like, oh, this is warm fuzzy into like, oh, I'm actually going to like actually bargain and give you some sort of power in this. And you had to leave that out because yeah. there was so much other so terrible much other shit crazy with the jazz bullshit. Yes. and Jewish people. Wow. All right. Not my hero. Not mine either. So if the people would like to find out all of the other heroes that we've gotten to know mm-hmm. and not so much love, where can they go? Um, well, if they're listening to this right now, they can just do, go. What you're, do what you're doing. Yeah, do what you're doing. Subscribe, share, rate, review. Then they can go to our website if they want. Uh, MeetYourHeroesPodcast.com. There's a form on there where people can submit suggestions. Suggest some heroes. We yeah. love that. Uh, on social media. We have hundreds of listens per week, per episode. And it's not translating to our social media followers. So if you're listening to this, go follow us. We're funny on social media also yeah at your heroes pod on twitter instagram and facebook uh, again you will not find us on tiktok so if there is a tiktok account that is at your heroes pod it is entirely fraudulent frauds yeah i don't know that there is i'm just yeah, saying neither. uh yeah go follow Preemptively. us fuck them we we got a few more ratings this week thank you yes yeah, that's amazing you. that super helps it really does it's such a dark world i am so grateful but yeah And until next week, don't be a hero. Do not be a hero. Bye.